Wheel, Kipper, and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right, let's go to a very healthy and ready for the stretch drive towards the Stanley Cup playoffs. Mike Fuda. Ribs are feeling great, I bet. Oh, yeah. Liver, liver, little problem with the liver. (laughs) (laughs) Ribs are good. Ribs are good. There's a solution for that, I've learned, you know. Yeah, I know, Jess. I I had to get Bissonette to the airport as quickly as possible. (laughs) Get ready, man. We're going to need you big time down the stretch here. Um, We've had a handful of games since the the big trades. We know Ryan O'Reilly's not around, but the rest of them, Futes, they've come as advertised, haven't they? Oh, have they ever? I mean, and again, I I mean, last night, it's pretty hard to question. I mean, Samsonov was great last night, right, especially early. So I just think there's some, and they were giving up some pretty good chances, but I just like the look now and the fact that Shenner's a righty. I think I, I just think sometimes as the games get faster, moving guys from their left to the right, especially to get a little older is not an ideal look. But McCabe's playing with some bite. It's not like I was saying it's not. For a while there, the old leaf slot area they looked like the only thing missing was a cabana and some drinks with umbrellas <laughs> in it. Buddhas. And now, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one of those in the fridge too, Cooper. <laughs> they, uh, you know what? It's just a tougher team to play against right now. And I like the fact that when someone digs their stick in, there's there's guys scrumming around that actually, you know, have some uh, heaviness to their stick. And it's a good look, I think. Kyle did a good job, uh, even up front, some of these guys in front, play with some pace, play with a little bit more dirt, a little tougher to play against. I mean, you you clearly see, again, that main, their first opponent's going to be, and they seem to be addressing that. I mean, goaltending aside, I mean, I guess now we have to see. I was listening to you guys, as I always do, and I was a little surprised as well that that, that Sheldon tipped his hat a, like a month in advance who's playing goal against Edmonton. Um but I guess it'll be interesting to see what Murray does against the Oilers on Saturday because if anybody, I thought the blue line kind of got exposed a little bit in the in the Edmonton game for just sheer speed. of, of uh, And I think, uh, Borny, you were saying they're playing some fast teams coming up here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just think it'll be a really good test for this defensive crew. I mean, hopefully Tavares is back in the lineup and, uh, and it'll be a real good test playing the Oilers on Saturday because we know that they can throw up but in a hurry and, Nice to see Matthew score one late. That was a big guy. He kind of slept, walked through the game and scored one that mattered most. So it's a, that was a big win. That was a big win, character win. For sure. Futes, do you feel like the types of the type of chances that are available in the playoffs are significantly different to that in the regular season? Like the Leafs don't look like the same offensively dynamic team they maybe were two years ago. But my thinking is maybe they're better suited to try to create in the postseason. You guys won some cups uh, with some pretty heavy groups that weren't exactly offensively unbelievable, I think, compared to league-wide. What, what are your thoughts on the postseason and the type of chances you can earn? Ideally, um, the teams that, I mean, I don't even think Colorado was tough to play against. I mean, we were, like Daryl said, it was a 3-2 league. I mean, we we ended up scoring some really mucky goals, but it, we had the right guys get hot at the right time, like Jeff Carter could score big goals. And we, it was spread out, like Mike Richards. But they were they were kind of hard and weathered guys that were like just experienced guys that found ways to score. And like, you'd get a, 
a series clincher out of like a Jarrett Stoll or something. And I mean, you know, our power play really didn't get hot. I know but Bernie Nichols was taking credit for it. I think we were about 4% going into game six against the Devils when we scored four, and then Bernie Nichols was running out under the ice claiming we had an amazing power play. But it's it's a matter of just getting some chemistry, right? right. And, I, and I think the guy that – and I think you guys said, if you're going to lose a guy, it's the right time to lose him uh, right now because – and hopefully it doesn't affect him so much on face-offs, but just the way he plays, or like with Ryan O'Reilly – it's just the type of player that you need to show you how it's done in the playoffs. And, uh, and I mean, it might not be bad for someone who's going to be not that he's getting up there, but if he gets himself five or six games ready to come back, I think a rest right now uh, and the fact that he can still skate and work on his lower body isn't going to be the worst thing in the world. Um, But yeah, it's answer your question. I think they have to play that style that they played uh, you know, where they can shut teams down. Who was it the other, the third period, they just didn't give them anything. And that's what you got to do. I mean, but I, I don't think you want to open it up against anybody uh, because I, I just think that exposes kind of the lack of speed on the back end. Uh, but just get the puck in these guys forwards' hands as often as you can. But, yeah, I think it's it's going to take muddy goals. Uh, it was nice to see Bunting wake up last night. I mean, that's a good response to being dropped in the fourth line. I mean, he scores the big goal, and that was a very intelligent play to let it go through his legs to the big guy for the winner. But they just seem to be having fun with each other. They seem to be really finding ways to win, whereas before they wouldn't be able to come back and, and, and win a game like last night. We're talking to Mike Feuda, Sportsnet hockey analyst, former NHL executive with Stanley Cup champion, LA Kings. And when I think about your championships in LA, I think of uh, uh, Trevor Lewis. I think of uh, Kyle Clifford in his heyday. Uh, Teddy Nolan's uh, kid. Jordan Nolan. Dwight King. And now we're watching uh, the likes of Lafferty come in and Achari. And I just want to just get your thoughts now on maybe a little bit of a tug of tug of war, even at the, at the trade deadline Futes and and making that transition to go get guys like that and I can only imagine what it would have been like to listen to Kyle Dubas say we're we're, we're turning the tables a little bit here so you know uh, my analytics team during the trade uh, deadline why don't you guys go out for a coffee or something and uh, <laughs> like uh, in all honesty like is, is was that not a big you know, elephant dump on the analytics department going this way now. You know what? I just think it's a fee- it's a feel, and I think you know who your opponents are. You know why you've lost these teams. You can't help but look at the Maroons and the Perrys and and feel about the heaviness of the third, you know the bottom six of Tampa Bay, and you got to address it. And I give him full credit, but I this isn't the first time he's done it. It's what I, that's what I couldn't understand is because when they went out and got Felino. That's exactly what they needed, okay? And it was almost to me like that it, he got hurt, so that move was deemed a failure, right? So let's go back to the analytics and go back to the numbers again. And, and then we see we got the same result. So, I mean, and now you look at what Felino, healthy, he'll be ready for the playoffs, what he brings to Boston, you need players like that that are going to be able to grind it out and mix it up. And good on him for going out and getting them because as much as, you know, whatever, Angval looks great with his shirt off, he just does not play hard. Uh, 
and uh, and he doesn't win those critical battles in the playoffs. And he's a good hockey player, um, but just not not what they need to get over the hump. And it'll be, I th- again, I I like the the concept of saying that, you know, he's done his job. Um, you know, it's all up to the players. But and I've I've said this, and this is not a pick on the Leafs thing. Um, still, I think Vlasilevsky is the best goaltender in the world, and I'm still at that stage that when I see Samsonov play last night, I'm happy, but I'm not like sure that that's coming out the exact same way the next game. And I don't know whether Murray's going to, you know, every seems every time we get to start to get excited about him, he gets hurt. So that's the one area that still scares me with this team. I love the fact that by adding the defense that they've added, that they've made that position an easier position to play because it's not so fun to be around their net anymore. But I still just think that's the only area I think it's still advantage Tampa Bay and uh, and uh, we'll see how it plays out in about a month here. It's going to be fun to watch and, it's, and hopefully, you know, you'd like to see all these teams that have made these moves be a hundred percent. I know I'm sure that some of the teams don't feel that way. They'd like to see somebody's big guy go out, but it's just like, like when you see Boston and you see the skate cut, almost cut Marchand and you're like, you just don't want to see a, a year like that. And you got Hall and Felino out now. And then you see that, you know, Austin Matthews take that slap shot in the back of the leg, and then you see Ryan O'Reilly take it in the hand. I just want to see best on best and and see who's figured it out the most. Well, I want to get your thoughts uh, not just on the Leafs then in terms of teams figuring out, but this Oilers team they're going to see this upcoming Saturday just beat the pants off them the last time they saw them. (laughs) You know, what are your thoughts? Is that a a legit cup contender there around McDavid and co.? One thing that scares me, boring, is like I look at their back end, and obviously this this Beckholm's the real deal, like yeah. uh, as far as what he's brought, and that's a great great trade. But it reminds me a little bit of the Leafs. And first of all, I mean, I don't like the fact that Darnell Nurse makes whatever nine and a half million dollars, but Beckholm makes his game a little better when you cut back on his minutes and some of these guys that don't have to play as much because this guy's such a beast. But when I looked at the Leafs blue lines in the past couple of years, you know, when a Muzzin goes down. You're like looking in the room and Mike Burton Marinson's coming out, right? There's somebody like that. And it's just not a good feeling. Yeah. Whereas the Leafs now, you know, if whoever they end up being their top six, whether you're pulling in a, a Lilligran or a Timmons or, or the Gustafson, I guess you've got an NHL ready guy coming in next. And I don't like what comes in next. If something goes down on the back end with Edmonton with regards to, uh, interesting. I'd have to Google who the hell it is. Who the next guy up is. And, I just think it's it's a it's a nice six. I like the look of it. CC's got to get his head over his ass, but it's a it's a, it looks like Bouchard's finding his game. But I just don't like the next man up on the Oilers as opposed to a team where there some of these other teams that just seems the next guy up doesn't concern you as much. Right. It almost seems like the Oilers and the Leafs kind of mirror their situation in goal, where you're leaning towards. Samsonov and Stuart Skinner, but these guys are a bad week away from changing your mind. Uh, do you, 100%. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, do, do you expect maybe uh, the Oilers to give one last shot at maybe a, a Jack Campbell Saturday night versus the Leafs for a sentimental start? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. My turn. No offense. No offense. I mean, it's Why? Like I've got... I. Listen, you know what I think of Jack Campbell, but sentiments aside, he's got to get going here. And I don't, I don't know putting him against that offense is the best recipe right now. Like, if it, first of all, it being in Toronto, 
if it goes south, it's it's staying south, right? Uh, and I think you got to give him a couple starts. You got to find. Uh, you can't just kick him out there, and he's getting back to the same thing, and uh, where he's apologizing to the crowd and his teammates and stuff for letting them down. And that stuff should be moved on from by now. Uh, the hardest part is, and you know I love the kid, is Skinner's actually playing very well. And it seems like he's consistent. Now, we don't know what Murray's going to do, right? Uh, that could be sentimental for him on, yeah, I think you guys said it, good, have a good night's sleep, by the way. Here comes McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and maybe Evander Kane for your, you know, your home your, your first game back at home. But I, I, I don't know about that. I, I just I find the, the hard part for me is when, you get paid, and it's a it's a it's a position that requires mental toughness. And again, I love the kid, but it puts you in a tough spot when you've got five million dollars sitting in a baseball cap on the bench, and you know you couldn't move and add other pieces because that much salary cap can't go in because you can't trust it right now. So I hope he gets it turned around. I mean, I think if something happens to Skinner, you've got to feel that Jack could get in and get hot again. But he started to get hot, and then it's it's gone right back to you got to be consistent at this time of year. And it looks like Skinner seems to be the one that is relishing the situation and looking consistent, just as Samson off seems to be that way with Toronto. So it's going to be a lot of cap space on the bench uh, for both of those teams come playoff time. Well, an interesting tie-in, too, is the other team in Alberta there that has your boy Daryl Sutter as the head coach. Jacob Markstrom <laughs> finally... Got it figured out. He got a shutout. The Flames get a win. You know, I I, I want to know, A, if you think it's possible that team can get back into the mix, but what it's like being on a Daryl Sutter coach team after a number of years. Like, it seems like he comes in and everyone loves him, and then, you know, we're four years into it or something now, and they're having a bit of a harder time. You would have a lot of experience being around that. Oh, no, they hate him. Okay, that's, that's exactly <laughs> what their beat writer told us, so <laughs> it's not us making it up. Well... You know what? I have trouble being critical of a guy that won two Stanley Cups for me. Uh, so I have to say, though, that we were filled with a bunch of character guys that could take that. They could shoulder that. So if he was going to go hard after Brownie, you had eight NHL captains that could pick it up or possibly yeah. tell him when to turn it down. They don't have even a guy that they're trusting to wear a C in that locker room right now. So when the attacks come or the criticisms come, you know, you know, Jonathan Huberto sticks his head in the ground as opposed to stands up and gets better. So I would say that since the Pelche, the Pelche um, press conference, that it seems like he's a lot more positive in his press conferences, um, almost overkill on how he talks about Pelche now. And I think the team, they haven't rolled over and died on him. I don't think, you know, they're sending him birthday cards or anything or, anything like that but I, I I just see when you come out and are still out shooting teams 50 to 20 and 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 not winning it's not a sign of a team that's rolled now the biggest thing for me I mean other than to fully score in a corner a couple big goals is is the emergence of the new of, of what we always were expecting and you you had it on the head there is Markstrom like he was an absolute like he was a force last night it yeah. would have been a sin if they didn't get him a didn't get him a run or didn't get him the win. And that's as good as he can play. Now, I I, I made one of my silly-ass comments on, uh, I was joking, and I said about some Eminem song with the real Slim Shady, please stand up. And I said, well, the real Jacob Markstrom, please stand up. And 
<laughs> Tyler Foley sends me a note saying, "Oh, Marky's pissed off at you." Oh. And I'm like, and I'm like, I said, "Well, you tell Marky if he's got time to be pissed off at me, that might be the he, <laughs> that might be the reason he's not focused." And you know, he had his kid. He went back in. He looks amazing. He looked he looked great in the Minnesota game. He looked great in the Dallas game. Or sorry, I think Ladar played the first. Is it Markson played the first three nothing game? Anyways, he looked great. And if he gives him that kind of goaltending, I don't know how much room's left on the runway because mm-hmm. it was for so long there that it seemed like they were stuck at three, four points. It was like the old stationary bike race. But for some reason, I just don't know how they're doing it. But Seattle keeps winning. And the only team that seems to be stuck in the rut now that they could – Winnipeg's really come to really come to a halt with their momentum. So it's doable, especially if you break down their schedule. Um, but they can't afford to – piss any more points away to the Bedard sweepstakes guys. They, they, it's like Ottawa, you know, the other day, we're just eating it up, hoping Ottawa pushes and then you get spanked by the Blackhawks. You just can't have those games at this type of year. So they've got a, they've got a couple Anaheim games coming up, a couple Arizona games where this, this two game winning streak could easily start turning into a six or seven game winning streak. If they get that type of goaltending and they're focused. And uh, I don't know, last night, Daryl looked pretty, He's just, it looks right now that he's come to grips with this group for now, at least, and I don't know what behind the door. You've got to be more positive with him because the other way just clearly isn't working. Is is Daryl smart enough to to look at his comments on, on the young rookie Pelche and say, yeah, that didn't work? Well, I would think just by looking at it, somebody else might have reminded him that it didn't work in a much higher, in a much higher seat, whether it be Brad or, um, I mean, as much as Daryl runs the show and very much so he's, he's a brilliant guy. He's a smart hockey guy. And I think sometimes whether it was trying to be funny or whatever, it wasn't funny. It didn't come across as funny. And I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a discussion from other people about how it wasn't funny and, uh, and he's smart enough to adjust. I mean, it's a different, it's a, it's a different type of forget what we have with the Kings and our mental toughness and the ability to, you know, react to stuff like that before they started um, building uh, boxes and blocking them out of the dressing room floor. <laughs> it was, uh, this guy knows what he's doing. He, and if he wants his team to succeed, he's got to be positive the rest of the way. Even if he has to bite his tongue sometimes, uh, it's just, it wasn't working the other way. Just one more quick one on Daryl. You don't buy for one second that uh, if they do miss the playoffs, like wholesale changes could come, including one for Daryl. No, I don't think so. I think he's. I think the owner there has a. I don't. I don't think the owner there really loved the general manager portion of Daryl, but he loves the coaching part of him. He's a piece of Calgary history. I don't, I don't foresee if they don't go down. I think there will be changes, and I don't think Brad Trelloing will be fired, but I'm not sure whether he'll hang around anymore. And uh, it'll be really interesting because uh, he's got, first of all, that owner's pretty prudent, and he's got a couple more years making really, really good money. And uh, it'll be a big discussion on, you know, how, where you move forward with that personnel, uh, meaning the players itself. But uh, I, I don't foresee any change in the coaching position there, under any circumstance, and we'll see. But I would like to I would like to see them go on one of those runs, like we did in 2012, and find a way to get in, and then be a tough team to play 
if they're healthy and if Markstrom continue to play like he did last night. You know that snowstorm last week? I, I was really worried about you. We all were, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> what part of the snowstorm? <laughs> the part where I walked outside and walked from wherever we were, the, the pub we were at to uh, we were, the hotel with Miss Danette, yes. and I had like it looked like I was wearing a George Washington hood from all the snow. <laughs> that comes worried my about head. your ribs and your liver. <laughs> well, Nick, you keep getting me barred from those those type of establishments, and I'll never have to worry about stuff like that. <laughs> I'm working on wiping your slate clean, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Fuchs. Mike Buda, former NHL executive with the LA Kings and now doing a great job uh, on Sportsnet uh, on occasion with you. Yeah, it's uh, really fascinating hearing him talk about the guys that uh, still connected with, obviously, Sutter and Toffoli and all those relationships. Um, yeah, in- that, that is a big bad thing about Markstrom. Like, boy, oh boy, like, why do you care? Yeah, but I, I also thought the point about Sutter and the Kings having, like, eight other captain-like guys is a good point. Like, the Flames don't seem to have the guys to stand up to Sutter and say, you know what, you're actually the one across the line here. He's It's... They're just kind of getting rolled over. Maybe Kadri next year. Right? Yeah, but that's the thing. The guys who would be right? leaders are new. New. Yeah. And that's the one thing, just to kind of bring this back to the Toronto Maple Leafs a little bit on, on leadership. The one thing that hurts, and, and Feud's talked about, hey, they're, they're going to get him back at the end of the year. The problem is, is you lose four weeks of establishing, uh, I don't know if a, proper words pecking order in the room I know, I know what you mean but but you lose find his spot in the hierarchy exactly or the, yeah. you don't have that he has to come in and just he's still new when he comes back but it's like one or two three games away from the playoffs and now you gotta be that guy mm-hmm. without really establishing a, a rapport yeah. as a as a a player Going to battle. You still feel like you have to be careful with your teammates. Yeah, and that's the one thing that uh, is unfortunate is that I really believe that it was important for Ryan O'Reilly to go in there and look around the room, even with the McDavid's and the Marners and the Morgan Riley, and say, boys. Matthews, yeah. Do you say Matthews? Yeah. Is that that a Freudian Uh, slip? You got some info? McDavid. Oh, sorry. You got some info for us? Yeah, <laughs> sorry to get you excited. There, <laughs> My ears hurt. Um, and and just say, I've been here, I've done it yeah. before, and take a deep breath. Or every once in a while, look at a guy, grab him by the collar, and say, "We need you now." Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought it interesting. We talked to Mike Kelly yesterday, and he talked about listening to a bunch of like Hall of Fame coaches talking about preparing for Game Sevens over their career. And one of the things that they didn't want to do was try something new in those big situations. You want they wanted to establish lines that they'd used before, power play setup they'd used before, structures they had built and relied upon. You do want some time to build and rely upon structures with your new guys too, and find what that is. So. It's going to be one of their challenges for sure. And also hearing him say that made me think of the time Sheldon Keefe went to uh, game five against Columbus, the super line and Willie at center and overthink overthink. Um, Just quickly before we go to break the wild and flames that we were talking about last night, I was just looking back at the wilds game logs. They just play rock fights every game. 
they score, you know, it's like 2 1, 3 2, 2 1, 4 3, 2 1, 2 0, 2 1. 26th in the NHL, 2 1, 1 0, 2 1. Second in their division, and they're almost bottom third in goals. Absolute rock fights. Your father's Minnesota Wild are back. (laughs) 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 They're back to being the most boring franchise. Now with more Kirill Kaprizov. Oh, my God. That's all they got to to sell you. Which, what a fan team to be a fan of. It's like, oh, maybe we'll win 2-1 or lose 3-0 like we always do. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with Luke Fox, sportsnet.ca. What's his latest story, Sammy? What do we, why do we have Luke Fox on the show? Hopefully he's not listening because uh, he always listens. No, because he's writing about Sandine. He's talking oh, about the Leafs. Oh, that's right, Sandine. He's writing about Sandine. We got three. He's a little... Has he got him... Uh, in the Norris running? We'll see. With Morrissey. You could ask him. And Dougie Hamilton? We'll ask Luke after the break. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Born. More Leafs, more Raptors, more Blue Jays. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finish off their five-game road trip with a 4-3 win over the New Jersey Devils. A gutsy win for the Toronto Maple Leafs. A late rally. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, David Sisboomba, Sammy McKee. And before we get into all of that, Mike Feuda will be joining us later on in the show. Mm. Luke Fox will be joining us later on in the show. Despite that emotional win by the Toronto Maple Leafs last night, you know you're in the dog days still of of the season? Yeah. When Sammy's, prior to the show, complaining about Team Canada's World Cup (laughs) baseball jersey. We spend a lot of time on that. Well, listen, we like to talk about literally everything other than the show before the show. It's our favorite activity to do. And Bourne sent a great tweet about their jersey. And it is a catastrophe. Catastrophe of a baseball. <laughs> it's I, red and it's white. Red. Listen, just make a normal jersey that says Canada on it in normal letters in normal size. It's, it's so not true. hard. If you completely went with no ideas and went, okay, it's red. There's some like you know the white, red, white trim, and we're gonna put Canada across the middle. Everyone would be like, cool. I, I'm telling you, like if if I didn't know better, I I go to Walmart and find <laughs> oh. one in the kids section. <laughs> yeah, even- I, I saw someone tweet you, Borny, that looks like a. Uh, Somebody that doesn't have the rights for a jersey. <laughs> they had to like make like a knockoff jersey. Like someone who can't so, say Super Bowl uh, talking about the big game. Under Armour, you know, they've kind of taken a beating over the years for their unstylish things. Like Jordan Spieth is one of the worst dress golfers on tour constantly, and he it, wears like, Under Armour. What does he wear? Like khakis and a blue shirt? Do, some, they, do they have designers? Ste- uh, Steph Curry, often, he got really made fun of for his shoes back in the day. It's not exactly the coolest Style company. brand. The Wait. show's starting to turn into like the Seinfeld show. Where, About nothing. Like, they're just we're just bad people. <laughs> we, we just we, we just make people feel bad. Can you imagine now the Listen. person that de- that designed those Team Canada jerseys right now, who happens to be listening to our show and just 
how bad they would feel. Well, I assume that person ha- can go back to their full-time job, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, back to their day job. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, no, I, uh, I really am excited for us to get absolutely barn door by USA and Dominican Republic that we have to play in our group this for Canada. So. I know Vladdy. Ah, uh, yeah. Are we watching anymore if no, there's no Vladdy? I will. I'm a sicko. Any sport that has Canada on it, I will watch most. Yeah. I, I'll watch the, Can- the Canada Baseball Classic. But we're going to get spanked. All right. Okay, so. let's pull this thing back on its rails. <laughs> it's not even Friday. It's not even 3.04. Sammy? <laughs> yes? When we ended the show, you thought maybe this had a potential for a blowout. Uh, I think you predicted to win. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't care if they win or lose. Just stay in the game. Mm-hmm. And really... That's what happened to start this hockey game is one guy responsible for holding them in early, and that's Samsonov. Yeah. You know, that's Sammy. You wanted a goalie steal? I think that's one thing you did get. You know, that's a game Thanks where the Leafs it. get out, out chanced and, um, you know, outshot and out whatever metric, and they, they end nice up on the right side of it. Yeah. <laughs> so good for him. I, uh, yeah, I thought... He was so. First of all, let's dial it back to the warm up where we all were. Kipper sent, you know, I was just getting my dinner ready, getting ready to watch the hockey game. And Kipper sends a video to the group being like, What's going on with Sansov? He looked ginger, looked like he tweaked something. Yeah. I was panicking, and Kipper. Who, who shot the puck? Willie? Yeah, Hell, really. that's Hell like the, that's Which, the fifth time he's done that. As, as long as I can remember, and you know, we're different eras, me and you, but there's always one guy. Oh, always. Always. Yeah. I don't care really? what generation oh, you're yeah. from. There's always one guy that's just going to mess up a goalie. Yeah. The in guy, practice yeah. or in warm-up, and that is Willie Nylander. It's, that's him. I remember our really? guy in college going neck high in a pond hockey. Well, the team would not play pond hockey one day, and he went neck high on a guy. But you don't picture the guy that being that guy being like Willie. You know, you think of Willie being the guy that doesn't necessarily care as much, Mr. Cool Guy. You think of the guy that hits a goalie in the throat or in the, you know where, being the hard old guy that's skating a million miles an hour and firing it hard. You know, you don't, you think Willie's the type of guy? I'm surprised. It's because it's, he's just not thinking. He's just, yeah, you're right. he doesn't care enough to no, care. Just, <laughs> just trying to shoot it in the net. It's like he always does. He's I'll got go one, one gear. Shelf. Yeah. He's a goalie. He's in a net. warm up. I'm good at shooting it past these guys. So, when I sent you the video of him going down, yeah, it it didn't look like it was nothing. It looked like a tweak. It looked like he, like, because it was just such a soft shot, and it kind of looked like he tweaked his knee or his groin. Or his, it did not look good, and and it was his groin, but it was just impact as opposed <laughs> to a strain. Was there a thought of he could bail here? Entered your game? mind at all? After watching know. it? After Sammy mentioned that he may have just taken her in the old dingleberries there, I, I was pretty sure he was going to find a way to be ready for puck drop. Well, but. I was listening to her. I didn't uh, get the thought. No? I, I, my first instinct wasn't you know, he got nailed in the nuts. No. No. I, I thought it was a, a knee or a, a like groin under the pad. or something. Yeah. That'd was, be worse. I was listening to um, the but, Leafs Nation pre and post pregame with uh, Gord Stellick and, and Brent Gunning while I was doing my dinner duties. And... They were panicked. Gunner's like, oh, it's going to be Matt Murray starting tonight. Like, they went full on oh, like yeah. it was an injury, and it turned out to be wrong. So, sorry, well, Gunner. Good. And then he ended up being wonderful, yeah. and off they and went. And then it was the complete opposite 
of a potential bail. It was almost like he was, he came out with a statement. It was, okay, you think that guy that just came back off of uh, long-term IR is going to take my job? No. And he's been best in those spots. I am, this is my net. He's not taking it away. I just thought that he he dug down deep mm-hmm. to 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 prove something last night. At least that's the way it appeared to me. Like the team to me, where you know they go out and they're getting outshot eight nothing five minutes into the game. Um, you know, feels like the world's crashing down on them, and you know, kind of fighting through and finding themselves and establishing a game and just kind of hanging around. Like you're not going to be the best team in playoffs every night. And I like the idea that they they right. managed to hang around and. You look at the first save coming off what we thought was going to be like a groin or a knee, or we thought he, we didn't know what happened post to him. Post to post on and a the rush. first shot on net was Jack Hughes over to uh, maybe Brad. I'm not sure who it was, but post to post, and then it comes around the net and he gets back over and makes another save. Timu, yeah, and I thought, listen, I don't think there's any way to take that other than what you just said, Kipper, as a complete statement game for Samsonov. Mm-hmm. I thought the goals that ended up going in, like the third one absolutely reeked i i don't know what the hell happened there and it was not pretty but the ones that go in i'm not killing them a whole lot for i thought it was was a a, statement a goal. yeah the second goal. i I know some people had issues with that Mm -hmm. i just come on it's like if there was just that a few inches and nothing else it found it yeah it found it yeah, it was a random one-hand stick, unpredictable play. So, yeah, I, I didn't love it either, but, yeah, not the not the end of the world. Okay, let's go to Sheldon Keefe for our first Kipper's Clipper of the day. Sheldon Keefe on Samsonov. Yeah, I thought he was really good. There's a couple really tough ch- shots early in the game that he came up big on. And then I thought, you know, and it's certainly – uh, Jersey was carrying play through the first period there, but uh, we were able to really tighten up defensively to the point that we were keeping it to the outside and perimeter shots and shots from distance uh, at the top, all of that, and I thought he was solid there. But, yeah, I liked his game. I'm still not quite sure uh, how the third one ended up getting in there. I know that he wasn't expected to be tipped like that, but... Um, yeah, it's a solid game for him. I mean, that's a team that the way they move the puck around the zone and change sides on you, it's not an easy team to play against uh, and the danger on the rush and, and the options that they present. So not an easy game uh, and a uh, great effort by him. Yeah, he didn't want to kill him for the third goal, but he's like not quite sure how that one went in, but yeah. So good Samsonov, and now you go back to Murray on Saturday night. Is that how we're all feeling? Well, that's maybe why we didn't like him coming out and immediately committing to Murray the mm-hmm. other night because I think it's a pretty clear indication that Samsonov's ready for this challenge and you would like to go back to him against one of the most offensive teams in the league, wouldn't you? Yeah, but I also like finding out what Matt Murray's yeah. got. For sure. And that's where I think that you have to lean. The temptation is to give Samsonov another crack at McDavid mm-hmm. and company and uh, redeem themselves from last week, but there is a bigger picture here. And one of them is to also put Matt Murray in a position of being there if Samsonov falters and being ready. You can't do that sitting on the bench. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, and also they got another game two days later. You expect to get to see Samsonov then. So 
The goalie situation, situation uh, we're going to see them both down the stretch, and they'll make a late decision on playoffs, I'm sure. Um, why don't we take uh, Keith Keith's overview of the game? Do you want to go there next, Kipper, and dive in from off the coach? Without a doubt. All right, let's go. Gutsy. You know, it's uh, just, just loved how our guys stayed with it, uh, you know. First period didn't go didn't go great for us. I don't think it was as bad as the as the shot clock maybe might have said, but uh, like how he came out and, and really kind of took over the game in the second period. And then you know it's kind of back and forth, you know through through the third and uh, the fact that our guys stuck with it, some some key plays, clutch plays at key times. Uh, really great uh, great way to finish the trip. Lafferty. Mm-hmm. In the second hole last night, yeah. Part of a, a a good finish off of Nylander and Yarncroc, yeah. I I I said that with Lafferty, I think one of he's one of those guys that will play up and down for Sheldon, mm-hmm. and I really believe that he can have a prominent role. Yeah, you liked him right away, right away. And it's almost as if I, if if I recall my day with the New York Rangers in 1994, we traded Tony Amante. Tony Amante was a an American, you know, superstar, unbelievable. Okay, Team USA, one of the stars. If you want to go down the road of uh, the Billy Garens of the world and the Jeremy Roenicks and that next generation of USA players coming off a gold medal. In 1980, that that new wave, Tony Amante was it. And Tony Amante got traded our year for a couple of pluggers Mm -hmm. that we didn't really know too much about. One of them was Brian Noonan. Lafferty, I don't think, will ever have the type of finish, I think, that Brian Noonan had. But, man, Brian Noonan, wherever you put him, third line, second line, Slide him up there with Mark Messier and Adam Graves. That guy would just fit right in. Mm-hmm. Lafferty doesn't have, I think, as much polish as Brian Noonan, but I don't have any problem seeing Lafferty yeah. uh, move into a, a top six. Yeah, I misjudged him. I, I said to Sam the first game or two, I said that he had panic hands. You know, there's some guys who just never seem comfortable having the puck. They love to forecheck and be big and be fast and show people what they can do there. But I thought in that game last night was the first time I got some sense that like, oh, okay, like he can hang on to the puck. There's one play I talked about him in uh, Leafs talk last night where he gets a pass behind the net and he just kind of holds off a guy while he has the puck, doesn't rush or panic a play and, you know, aids the breakout. You mentioned the goal where he supports, you know, from below the puck, drives the D back before the drop. Like, he made some plays that made me go, okay, like he doesn't hate having the puck on his stick, which is great. So, yeah, yeah. that allows you to play him in different spots. The coach spoke about Lafferty, and he was mentioning some of that stuff. So let's, well, uh, let's listen to that. Well, huge goal for us in the second period. I thought Lafferty really came alive in the second period, really started to skate. Uh, through the neutral zone with a puck. I thought that uh, really got them on their heels a few times. Uh, obviously, a great play on the goal. Uh, good play by Will and Yarny to get to the net. Uh, so that's that's an obviously an important goal for us. But like I said, I thought we really saw signs of what Lafferty's capable of in, in terms of putting the other team on their heels uh, with his speed. Like he's done that at different times. 
uh, in the earlier games with us, but it was more off the puck and getting up the ice and applying pressure. Today it was with the puck and carrying it to the neutral zone, which is probably a byproduct of playing that center. Um, but it certainly it was good, and he was good on face-offs too as a right-handed shot. So that was really nice to see. And not, I mean, not an easy shift out there tonight available uh, for really any line, but certainly uh, for him in the matchups that he had to go against. So I thought he was really good. You're going to see him at center again. Coach liked him. I, I thought if you had a slap number 65 on his back last night, it, you could have convinced me it was Ilya Mikheyev multiple times. Yeah. It's the first time I felt like that, and maybe it's because, like he mentioned, he had the puck more. Yeah. Um, but it just, he's got, he can drop that shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, like Mikheyev used to do, and I don't really want to compare his hands to Mikheyev because that's not a very flattering thing to do, but he can just drop that shoulder and fly with the puck. And it's yeah. like they don't, Engvall had that speed, but he never dropped that shoulder and cut in like he will. So I think it's really, I was encouraged by Lafferty last night. Like yeah. it was I a really good performance. Uh... He's got way more of a playoff feel than Mikheyev will ever have. Yeah, Mikheyev was a, he liked to get his points. You know, he liked to take it to the net, you know, be involved in the offense and all that. I think Lafferty yeah. will, will seem a little more yeah. content wherever he's placed. And that, that to me, again, for the second time since the big trades, and I'll, I'll lump in Calgary last week, it, they those type of games feel to me like, playoff hockey mm-hmm. whereas it may not be working for you you get great goaltending but you start with the little things and there was one play i think maybe a little before the halfway mark like nolachari it's nico Heischer on the wall and by the red line achari's got him pinned to the wall and he's totally discouraging mm-hmm. Heischer from jumping up in the play and joining the rush. Like, it's like, it's over. Yeah. And he, his, he's positionally very impressive. You, to me. you, that's, that's playoff hockey right there. Yeah. 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 I agree. I, you know, he's not an elite player, Nolachari, but he's going to play his role and contentedly do so, which again, the fourth line for the Leafs hasn't typically done in playoffs. I wrote today about the Leafs offense and my concerns about them. But the one thing I did say in that article, and I think I said it yesterday on the show, the type of chances they're able to get right now as a group feels more sustainable in the postseason than it has in the past because of guys like Lafferty and Achari and, you know, a willingness to sort of bang it out and let the top guys do their thing. So obviously they need to be healthy for that. But yeah, so you hang around and then you still have these elite guys that do these elite things. Marner and Matthews make elite plays. That's all she takes. God, that shorty was so nice. One issue I had going into the game, despite the win, still have that left side, Mm -hmm. guys. Kerfoot, Yarncrock, and then uh, uh, Bunting moved up late in the third period to to camp, and Aston Reese, Mm -hmm. like... Two of the four scored last night, Cooper. No good. <laughs> no good. So when they are healthy, you know, presumably one of O'Reilly or Tavares either plays there or pushes one of these guys out the middle to the left side. Does it feel Nyes, that much different to you? Nyes comes in. And so what if it's Tavares and Nyes on listen, the left wing now? I was very surprised that Sheldon stuck with Ker- Kerfoot 
with Matthews and Marner for the majority of that game. Can we have a Kerfoot conversation? Yeah, absolutely. I thought he was mid way over his skis last night to yeah. play with Matthews and Marner. Can't finish. Uh, you can stop it there for me. Can't finish. Can't finish. And, and the puck is landing on his stick in excellent spots. Oh, 30 seconds into the game, Marner makes a play to Matthews. Matthews gets and, it across to Kerfoot. Kerfoot gets the hash. Like, this is No shot, no pass. Can't do it. It's driving me nuts. Like, I don't, I know, sure, Kerfoot, Kerf's been better than Bunce. Sure. Okay. I get that you like him, you know, Keith. I get that you love him. No. But get no. him off the top line. You get that you've, you're driving a message to Bunting. And, but Bunting's been driving them nuts the last few games. You know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're pissed off at Michael Bunting. Sounds like Sheldon and him have a relationship like that, too, like a father son thing. All right, let's go to Sheldon on bunting, and then yeah. we'll come right out of it, okay? I mean, you know, you hope he feels he feels good with it, of course, and it can help and um, take some of the take some of the pressure off, just help him relax. But uh, you know, it, it, it's, he, he has the ability to finish plays like that for sure, and did a great job putting himself in a good spot. I mean, just unbelievable plays by Hall and Camp to get it there. And love the finish there. I, I, I had a sense, or not a sense, but I feel at least that we needed a goal, and, and that's why I changed the line and, and put him there. I was going to go with just three lines uh, kind of the rest of the way and, and wanted Bunts to be involved in that. And, uh, you know, it was a great play there and and uh, great play on the on the power play goal too, just the awareness to to, to leave that puck and, and let it get, get through to, to, to Austin. So, yeah, it was a real, real, real two key real... Uh, uh, great place for us in an important time uh, to finish this trip here. Did you guys catch that uh, Sheldon pat on the back for himself for making the, the, a line change? the, the yeah, adjustment? I did. I did catch that. Yeah, he looked into his crystal ball and thought that one of his better scoring forwards outside of the top guys might shoot one in the net. What, I, a, I thought, what a prediction by him. I thought Sheldon was flirting with doing it so late mm-hmm. in the hockey game. Yeah, you were like, like the line shuffle? Like how many times do you have to see Kerfoot like miss scoring into a soccer net before you, you you make an adjustment? It's crazy. Like, didn't he score fifteen times last year? What's he I, got this year? I don't know how that happened. He has seven this year in sixty four games. Hasn't missed a game. Played a ton in the top six this year. Seven goals. It's pretty stunning. You, you just not can't do it. Yeah. And also, uh, we need to give some credit to David. Adam Oates camp. What a pass. <laughs> what an unbelievable pass. To know he's there to execute it, you know, over top of the back checking forwards. What yeah. a yeah. I think it was Hall that threaded the the pass up the, the opener, middle. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And it was uh it was a hell of a of a pass too. Yeah. We can't acknowledge Hall makes good plays though. I've seen my Twitter mentions. Yeah. Apparently but there's the worst still, player in the league. There's still signs no. of Justin Hall being Justin Hall. I think it was the the 1-1 goal that New Jersey scored. And then like 10 seconds after New Jersey ties the game up, he has one of the worst pinches I've seen in months. Oh, I don't remember it. And Jack Hughes is going down 180 feet on a two-on-one. That's you don't remember sub- that? That's suboptimal. No, I don't. 
Oh, it drove me nuts. <clears throat> yeah. No, he's, he has those moments for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I am curious to get your thoughts on Lilligren and how he looked and if anything changed for you with the D with him. Uh, no, not really. I think no. I think he, we're not talking about him, so yeah. that's a good sign. I that, thought he was good. Yeah. No, you know, like, not even Steady. thought. I felt. Yeah. I felt when he was in, I was like, oh, this feels well, better. I'm, like, uh, I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to ask you guys this. So last night... Uh, Morgan Riley was under 20 minutes. Really? Which can have happened many times this year. And they only had 60. And Jake McCabe played the most on the team with 22 minutes. Well. Or, oh, no, he was just edged out by TJ Brody with 22-31. Yeah, so that's the top M- Morgan pair. is not on the top pair. The top pair he, is It wrote him up as the third pair. That's right. McCabe and Brody were the top pairs. As I, written up. I, ha- I have to say I barely thought or noticed Morgan Riley last night, and I think that's where he should be aiming for right now to get his game back on track. Like, I think it's better yeah. if we come in here and we're not talking about him or noticing him or pointing things out with him. It just, yeah. I like Because they won. No, but he wasn't, yeah, they won, and he wasn't having a front row seat for the puck going in the back of his net like he <laughs> yeah. does most nights. Yeah. Like, but that's I, not how the Leafs will advance in the playoffs by... I, Morgan, but you're talking about getting it on track. No, not, I know, yeah, I know. But he needs to be the number one defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But okay, yeah, he but can't go McKay Brody. I think. Listen, I don't. He's just. I don't huh. like your chances. Yeah, on McKay Brody leading you to the Eastern Conference Final. I uh, I like McCabe a lot. That was a good game. That was his best game yeah. as a Leaf. Um, I you like know, him a lot. But is, some... he, is he? You, you think he's legit top four on a yeah. contending team? Well, he's I mean, been top well, he four is, for he is the a, bulk of his career now. He's on a top, top four, on, middle on, two, on, middle pair on lousy teams. Yeah, yeah, but to me, right? the, the teams he plays but, on, though, but you understand there is a a history of players being a, a number two on a bad team and yep. being a number three on a championship team. Sure, I actually think in Chicago he was their second most used guy. So I think you know he may be a four yeah. then or whatever, a three or a four. But I don't, he's, you know, he he looked really good to me last night, particularly just. I, I love his aggressiveness. I love yeah. that that he's not scared to go scare somebody in the in the neutral zone. He it, does step up pretty. Oh good. my and gosh, he, he does yeah. better than uh, uh, I've seen any defenseman over the last few years for the mm-hmm. Toronto Maple Leafs. But he steps up when it's the right. Like he really has a Labushkin feel. Labushkin would run at it, he, he no has, matter right or wrong. No, no, he's, he's not Labushkin. No, he's not. Labushkin's a banger, but if he misses his hits, he's cooked. But he stepped right in here, and he's played in four games, and over twenty in three of them, and thirteen in the other one, and he had seventeen minutes of penalties. So yeah. it's pretty clear where the coaching staff, like it's gone. You know, it's going up. Mm-hmm. Like I, he I, made a few plays in the final minutes, protecting the lead, blocking a couple cross the, crease passes. Like they see him as a guy in those spots, and like I, you know, I know it's an early sample size, but I am incredibly encouraged with what I see from him. Like yeah. I do have belief in him when he's on the ice. Yeah, he's gonna be in. That's for darn sure. But it is interesting because I do the, like uh, the other now, thing that I, I really believe that needs to be monitored between now and the end of the season is Mark Giordano. Mm-hmm. I. I think there's times when I'd be a lot more comfortable if they just gave him a night off. Well, and you got nine now. You know, he. it's a great time to say, 
I know you want to play every minute, every shift, and you don't want to fall behind and whatever. We're going to make this call for you. Kind of reminds me, and I've referenced this all the time because it really bothered me, when Marlowe wouldn't be a healthy scratch before the playoffs. Yeah. You're trying to rest him because of his streak. It, to me, that was super selfish. And I feel like Giordano, if yeah. it's the best thing for like, him, it'll be the best thing for the team. Yeah. Like, I know there's a there's a big deal on you know him becoming the most uh, successful shot blocker in NHL history. But, Ugh. I mean, they're going to start giving him most icings in NHL history soon, I think. <laughs> because every time there's there's heat, man, it's like gone. And, Fire down the ice. Yeah. And, it, well, and that, that's a sign to me where it's like, okay, can we just not ask him to play 17, 20 minutes at 39 years of age, 82 times? Yeah. Will this be, instead of a shield, will they give him a official with his arm up. <laughs> I, I can data this up. I'm going to find it. Icings. He's got to lead the world. He was tied for the lead last I checked. And the one thing with Gio, and I guess maybe it's just he's gained some respect with the officials. He's got the anti-bunting. But you sent a screenshot of him last night. Oh, he lassoed somebody in the but corner. Kipper, he does that every night. Well, and he gets away with it a lot. Yeah, well, good. That's veteran experience. Great. Yeah. Great. He's well-respected. Uh, that's, that's a good thing for Lee fans. Yeah, it but is because he'd be on the... <laughs> it, it also means that his foot speed's an issue here. When you start bear-hugging guys in the corner, it means you're generally maybe one step behind, half a step behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I, I get what you're saying. I see a lot, a lot of good stuff he does. I don't want him tired either. I want him as Mark Giordano's best, and the Leafs will need him to be. But yeah, the, the D situation is heating up for me because, again, liked having Lilligren in, thought McCabe's really good. Hall's played some good hockey lately. You can't say that. That's not right. Oh, that's right. I'm not allowed to yeah, say that. But incorrect. You know, oh, I missed that. Sorry. Justin Hall's played good hockey he, lately. The internet doesn't like I, that. I liked on the actually on the goal that ended up in their net. The third one, the little trickler that found its way through. He smoked Meyer along the boards again. Hall did. Yeah, yeah he's been seems, more physical it lately. It seems for that sure. he's really made a, an effort to be more physical, and he probably knows. Like that's how I get in the playoff lineup. I think there's a lot of guys that are seeing how many options there are. And they think that they have to elevate their game. Nope. And if you're Hall, you're a UFA at the end of this year. Yeah. If you stay in and you're important for the Leafs in playoffs, you, what's he worth versus a guy who can't get in the lineup? What's the difference to him? It's millions. Part of that playoff look that I, I saw last night includes minimal opportunities on a power play. But they had two. And the most important one won the hockey game. It's such, you know, the Leafs have, like, the good power play statistics. Such Leaf power play goals. Like, you know, a weird kind of broken playoff and entry where they finish. It's like once they get into their structure, they kill their own penalty. But they're pretty good when they're just kind of zipping it around, getting set up, and things fall apart. Austin Matthews scored his fifth career go-ahead goal in the final five minutes of a game. Tied for second most among all players since he entered the NHL, only behind David Pasternak. I I thought he had some good looks. I thought him and Mitch Marner were doing Matthews and Marner things last night. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought thought he kind of faded a little bit in the back half of the game, but with all great talented players, they just need one opportunity, 
and he got it on the on the game winning goal. Yeah, I, I really liked. Were you okay it. with him last night? I was. Overall? Yeah, yeah. You know, before he buries that one, he had the one timer, like a really fast twitch. You know, he's kind of backing up, and uh, Vanacek robbed him with a glove save. I, I liked seeing that from Matthews. Like, found a soft spot, bam. You know, got a good piece of it. It's you know, he was testing him. You know, he's 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 getting some looks. The thing that's different for me with him is like not carrying the puck through the neutral zone and he doesn't seem as active on the rush, but I thought he was good last night. I like, I think you kind of nailed it there, Kipper. I thought he had a really good, you know, I thought maybe not everybody had a very good first period, but I thought at least there were some moments where he looked big and there was one spot where he actually threw a hit, kind of used his backside, ran a guy into the boards, but he kind of did start going downhill a little bit towards the end of the game, get on the power play, shoots in the net. But I thought it was progress, at least, against a good team. Mm-hmm. Boy, the Devils are fast. Yeah. And like well, I, that fourth line that Miles Wood is lightning. How about old, uh, what's-his-face's lip there? Who Palat was oh it? Oh, my the, God. Change topic. I just remembered that. I, I think, again, that, that bowls well for Toronto Maple Leafs that uh, their, their bottom six last night went up against one of the better bottom six in the National Hockey League, including three goals from a, a a third line last night. And they managed to not only stay in the game, but find a way to win it. I, I think that's that's a good measuring stick for the bottom six last night against a, a very good Devils bottom six. Yeah, and that's going to be something that supposedly is different with this Leafs team, is having that group. You know, Holmberg didn't do much for me, Steve's oh, yeah. fine, you know, but... Holmberg. Other than those guys, you know, I thought Aston Reese, Camp, Achari, Bunting, those guys did a good job in that spot. Steve's well, just can't be a playoff option. He threw a massive hit in the first he, he shifter or two he of did. the game. Big hit. But Pontus only ended up playing six minutes and 50 seconds last night. One other thing that stood out for me last night that I did not like going into the last 18 games of the season that you needed... 26 minutes out of Mitch Marner last night. Mm-hmm. And listen, he's, he's an engine. I, I, I don't necessarily uh, worry about him not handling some nights like that. I just don't know if, if you need another half a dozen of those 26, 27 minute night games out of him. Yeah. If you need him that badly going down the stretch when you're you're deeper now. And the other thing is, is like the more minutes you're out there, the more chance you can get hurt. I just you don't want to put him in a position now unnecessarily add too much strain to him already. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah. you're close enough to the end of the season where, you know, you're lucky of four weeks. You get Ryan O'Reilly back. You start messing with a little more dangerous injuries. You're in the territory of losing maybe the first round. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's um, he's an interesting guy because the way he plays is he's one of those guys that you feel like could just skate forever. Like if he played 60 minutes and never came off the ice, you feel like he could do it. He just has that unique ability. But if you want a guy to play power play and penalty kill, and you obviously want Marner doing both those things, and you're chasing the game, I understand how it gets away from Keith sometimes. I think they've done a better job this year than last year in general with him in terms of ice time, and I don't know what his averages are. 
just like looking at his game log, he does have a chunk of games under 20 minutes in late March or sorry, late February, but yeah, 26. You don't want anyone playing that much. Well, on, too much. Yeah, I agree, but I'm trying to win the hockey game. Yeah, yeah. He's your best, he's your best player. Yeah. Like I, he's been by far the best player this year. He's been their by far best player for the last month. It's like, what are you supposed to do? Not put him out there? Be like, well, you know, I've got to think of, he's coaching the game. He's trying no, to win listen, the hockey game. But you, you're, your best left winger, your highest scoring left winger when you're down, you leave on the bench with like nine or ten minutes because we believe that you're trying to drive a point to him that is greater than necessarily needing to win the hockey game at that particular moment. So which one is it? I mean, that's not a – I mean, yeah, I guess that's a great point. Like, 60 points, sitting his ass on the bench and watching Kerfoot out there. Cause Take your shifts. It's personal. That's why. It's personal with Keith and Bunting. They've, <laughs> they've known each other forever. Yeah. They've probably had this relationship. It's, it's a personal thing. He's trying to teach a lesson, which I can't believe that he's playing on Kerfoot on the top line. Like, he's got one goal since the year turned 2023. <laughs> like, since, right. since New Year's Eve, he's got one tuck. <laughs> and he's playing on the top line. He had how many chances last night? It's ridiculous. Try I, someone else. Really? Try Yarncroc. Try anybody else. But it just can't be careful on the top goddamn line. I so, really hope that the decision to keep Kerfoot over McCann in Seattle, oh. who's just scored his 30th goal, ugh. doesn't come back and, and bite them. Because well, well, it kind of already is, is it not? Well, well, it wasn't. You know, there's wasn't as simple as that, right? Wasn't it? Did that allow them to keep like, Hall and Kerfoot? So you have to take the two of them as a value, which people people yeah. are just like, Bleh. yeah, yeah, that makes them feel better. The other main whipping, the two biggest whipping boys <laughs> yeah, in the Leafs. Come on, yeah, no, yeah. right? Oh, you'd obviously rather have Jared right. McCann. I, I don't know what I, I don't. I'm not sure where the true connection is, and I. You, you, you listen to Sheldon all season long. Like, Kerfoot's an important guy, according to him, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a sense that he's one of the leaders and he's likable and the guys love having him around. Uh, but the one thing that kind of sticks with me with the Kerfoot thing is that, and maybe you can tell me this because you know Sheldon, or I'm sorry, you know Kyle better than any of us in the room right now is was there a part of not letting Kerfoot go because I need one face to prove that my trade with Colorado Mm -hmm. wasn't a complete disaster when I traded Kadri yeah like you would never ever get him to say that but I can see it right like I mean I know that has to play into your no way Everyone knows that trade is a 10 out of 10 disaster already. Oh, you don't think if they win the cup and Kerfoot's lifting the Stanley Cup, he, he's looking at people going, he's you. right, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he's right and you're wrong. Yeah, when Kerfoot bangs 25 off the, hey. the end glass again on the way to the final. It's, it's the reason why Kerfoot stays 55 minutes on the number one line and has nothing to show for it. It has to be. I mean, he's. A, I think he's an effective guy. I just, you're right. The problem is they see what you see on the left side. Is like he's like, yeah, put Yarncroc up there. Like, okay, oh, you know? he can shoot it in the net. 
Uh, I know, but I'm just saying, like, they don't have other guys, you know, at that position. You've highlighted that. Uh, so if it is a personal thing, it's, you know, at least they can justify it by saying, who should it be? Do you like it to be Aston Reese? Would you like it to be, you know, like it's reminds me of a guy we had, the Marley's Colin and Smith. Yeah. Uh, and who else is right in the drop? But yeah, you just, he's flex seal. Sammy nailed it. Kerfoot's flex seal. Slap him on any problem. <laughs> it's not a permanent solution to anything, but it'll get you through oh the day. Oh, my gosh. That, that sinking infra- with the flex commercial yes, that I see where... Slap like, the tape on the like, boat. Do you not care how ugly your boat has just become? <laughs> do you not care how ugly your basement looks? And you, I get you don't want the water in it, yeah. but you're not inviting anybody over to see that. Well, that's where it's at with Kerfoot in these positions. It's like... It'll get us through until we find a real solution for this problem. I, I'm just, like, I was legitimately pissed off last night watching it. Like, I just, there's been, there's been some things recently with Sheldon yeah. that have been robbing me the wrong way. I'll just say that. The only option he had then is Yarncrock. Okay. Because the right. thing they're looking to send Try, a message to. Right. Yeah. Try something, literally anything else. Yeah. He's been playing well. I don't disagree with Sheldon. All right. Kerfoot? Yeah. He's been playing very well. Oh, yeah, he's been playing great. Just banging him off the end glass from the uh, slot. If, if I get all the opportunities he's had in the last month, though, I got a few more. I'm telling you. Agree. <laughs> like, I, I just, I fully agree. And you're playing on the top line. I don't need a defensive responsibility and, like, fast skater. Buzz, 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 oh. buzz. Sorry, boys. I'm just upset about it. That's all right there. Flex seal, Sam. Sammy's a permanent solution. Oh, by the way. Let's do some rivalry train action here. Oh, yeah. Ride it. All right. Let her get, rip. I'm getting my sheets ready here. Uh, Molson Canadian wants to give you and a friend the ultimate hockey fan experience through their Molson Canadian rivalry train contest. This includes a round train trip, a round train trip, that's not right, from Toronto to Ottawa to go see your Leafs take on the Sens April 1st with food, beverage included at the game, as well as an overnight hotel accommodation. To enter, all you have to do is tune into our show, Real Kipper and Born, every day this week and listen for the code word and then text it to 59590. Today's code word is Senators. Text Senators to 59590 right now for your chance to win. And we'll have another code word tomorrow's episode, so be sure to tune in. You must be 19 years of age to enter. All right, with that from Flex Seal Sammy, <laughs> we go to break. And uh, on upon our return, we'll have Mike Feud, a former NHL executive, Sportsnet hockey analyst, and we'll get his thoughts on last night and where the Leafs go from here in the next 18 games. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Born. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. So just about five seconds before we came back on air, I go to... JB, um, is there anything in uh, Luke Fox's uh, article on Rasmus Sandin we should know about? He goes, I, I didn't read it. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't read it either. That's why he's on the show, because we didn't read it, and he needs to tell us now how much the Leafs miss Rasmus Sandin. Am I right, Luke? Oh, my goodness. I'm glad you guys are doing your prep. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's been a long what, year, man. Cut us some slack. Intro. What an intro. 
<laughs> uh, well, basically, the, the whole premise of the, the article was kind of, it's all about opportunity. In Toronto, he wasn't getting any. You know, Sheldon Keith basically said point blank, if we were healthy, he was going to be the odd man out when the playoffs started, just as he was the odd man out last season. And this is one that was one of the young bright spots in the leaf system that you you'd like to see take a step and and get some traction but there was no lane for him as a left shot who only plays the left side morgan riley just signed a monster extension he's supposed to be a, a power play quarterback offensive puck mover type skill guy how was he ever gonna find a path to really make some inroads into the top four it was going to be tough for him so I saw a lot of, you know, Leaf fans reacting to the fact that he got five points in two games with the Washington Capitals, posted a, you know, career high over 25 minutes in ice time. And it just kind of drills home what doesn't work for one organization can work for, the, uh, for another organization with the exact same player. Fun fact, Rasmus Sandin is the only left shot defenseman under contract for the Capitals next season. Mm -hmm. So, uh, of course, they're going to go out and find some more. Um, You know, they're selling off Gustafson and Orloff and John Carlson, who's a righty, has been hurt for a long time. So it's it's kind of paved this open path for Sandin to get all this ice time and, and get to feed Ovechkin at the circle and all these great things. But... You know, even if they go out and get a defenseman or two, he's probably going to have some traction there. And, and yes, it's the worst team, but this is a great trade in my mind for Sandine, A, and for Brian McClellan, B. And, and we'll see. It could end up being a great one for the Leafs. We'll see what they do with the pick. We'll see what uh, if Gustafson ends up jumping in and, and helping in the playoffs. But at this point, I think we can say this is a great opportunity for Sandine that he wasn't going to get in Toronto. Right, right. So, Luke, first off, let me just say I do read everything you write and enjoy yeah. your work. You know, I I feel like I, I I got buried off the top of the show. It just didn't come across my feed yet. Um, but I will ask you. About... It's still early in the day. <laughs> yeah, well, I should have read it. Um, but I do want to ask you about the decision to not accept a pickback but rather to take yeah. Gustafson, given their D situation, and he looks to be their, whatever you want to call him, eighth guy, but is there a situation where he's in and involved with this year's Leafs team? Yeah, I do think there's a situation. Right now, it sort of feels like the situation might be an injury. Although, you know, we got right. 18 games, and he was a healthy scratch in Jersey. Uh, he saw pretty limited minutes in his very first shift. The poor guy, the, the puck hopped over his stick, and they they scored a shorthanded goal on him in, in Calgary. Like that was a, a really rough look. Not, yeah. But but hey, he 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 piled a bunch of points in Washington. He's a veteran. He's he's kind of similar, like similar strengths to Sandine. Actually, um, he just has more experience, and he has some playoff experience. He can be counted on a little bit because he's a, a veteran. But I, I just think it's more about, hey, we're looking at not just winning one round. We're looking to go on a deep run. And if you look at you know teams that go on a deep run, how often do they reach into their seventh, eighth, ninth defenseman? Pretty often. Like it, it's very rare for all D men to be healthy and and playing well. And it, you know, maybe it lights a fire under the six guys who are playing too. Like that, like 
on that road trip, like talking to Justin Hall, like you saw his game, all of a sudden he's hitting people. He's like way more engaged. I really liked his game. And, and part of it, you have to think, and he even admitted, has to do with the internal competition all of a sudden. Um, you know, di- different type of player, Gustafson and Hall, but the fact that they brought in Shen as well and McCabe, I think all of a sudden you have NHL-ready guys, a bunch of them, um, ready to take your spot if you're slipping or if you're banged up. And Dubas is betting on, you know, having that depth is better than having a second pick. Now, he didn't say what round that second pick is. I'm guessing it's like, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh. I'm guessing it's a later round pick. But he'd rather have a warm body ready to go in case of injury. And it also lights a fire under the, the current top six. We're talking to Luke Fox, star writer for the <laughs> sportsnet.ca. And... Uh, an amazing article on Rasmus Sandin. If you get a chance, <laughs> read it. Um, I feel like a bag of crap right now because you think I threw you under the bus. <laughs> it's because you did. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. Of, there's a lot of content out there. There's a hey, lot of content. All, all kidding aside here. <laughs> um, yeah, that's me running you over right there. When you, moments ago, when you uh, described Morgan Riley, you used the word supposed to be. And when does that become more concerning for you moving forward? How long out of 18 games do Leaf fans, Sammy, you need to see Morgan being Morgan, Morgan being the guy that uh, is the number one defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, I, I actually asked Keith about that on on the road trip, and he kind of hemmed and hawed about how he would assess Riley's play, and he said he he has another level to get to here, and it's hard to deny it. He hasn't quite been himself, and I think a lot of that has to do with the constant stream of of different partners. I mean, even on that one road trip, he had Shen, he had he had Hall, he had. Lilligren, uh in Jersey, like, uh, and it, for me, when, whenever, you know, I think Morgan Riley is what he is. He's an offensive defenseman. He plays best when he has a security blanket next to him. And that, to me, is TJ Brody. Now they're really trying to create this ultimate shutdown pair of two guys who prioritize defense over jumping up in the rush in Brody and McCabe. And they're getting tons of ice time, and they look pretty good. And part of that, Sheldon Keefe has explained, is, you know, you bring a new guy in, you want him to set him up for success. And Brody seems to be the fixer. He sets everybody up for success because the easiest guy to play with, he'll play left side, he'll play right side, he'll hang back, he's got a great stick and intercept passes. He makes other guys look good. And he does it kind of quietly, um, well, quietly both on the ice and off the ice. I mean, the guy hardly ever says a word. He's just like this, this you know, Mr. Consistency is what they call him in the room. Uh, but it, I think Morgan Riley plays best with him. So you subtract um, Brody from Riley, and all of a sudden the flaws that Riley has uh, get exposed. I think his confidence has taken a hit this season. He, he seldom likes to talk about himself. But I'm sure if you were to pump him with true serum, he'd say that the pressure of this massive seven-year contract, um, he's in the first year of it, is probably weighing, him on a li- weighing on him a little bit. 
He probably feels uh, a bit bad that he's not producing more five on five and on the on the power play. The, it took him forever to score his first goal this season. Uh, so I think there's probably a mental strain, and it hasn't been helped because it's a turnstile of partners with him. And I wonder uh, in these uh, next few games, um, like game one of the playoffs, if they don't set him up back with with Brody, um, just to just to make him feel good and to have more balance in the pairs. There is a temptation, I think, when you get a new guy, and I'm thinking of Jake McCabe here, to give them too much. And this team has done that a couple times. They get a new toy and they throw them right in the first line and say, hey, this is your chance to shine, and then it doesn't quite work out and you start feeling bad. McCabe, they've really put in a softer landing spot. He played with Brody, second pair a little bit, um, you know, kind of give Riley the bulk of the minutes. It feels like McCabe has now worked himself into a spot where he's going to be one of the top four what have you thought of his place so far and where he likely fits into that rotation come playoff time? Yeah, I, I've really liked him, Justin. And, and that philosophy of setting guys up, just to, as an aside, I wonder if that started from the Tyson Berry experiment and how he wasn't set up in a mm-hmm. position to succeed. I almost feel like they, they've really tried to um, oh, um, maybe overcompensate a little bit from the Babcock era when Spezza comes in and it gets healthy scratched and Barry comes in and no, we're not giving you the power play and guys weren't set put in a place to feel comfortable right away. Uh, it seems Dubas and Kiefer going out of their way to make new guys feel extra comfortable. Um, even if that means going 11 and seven when the coach doesn't really like that and it throws things out of whack, but back to McCabe, I've really liked him. I, I, I should probably double check, but I believe he hasn't been on for a goal against yet at even strength, which is fantastic. I mean, that's what you bring him in for, just to prevent goals and let the, let the other guys generate the offense. The other thing is, uh, I talked to John Tavares after that really nasty hit um, by Tyler Myers, clean but but hard, and he, he went on about how he appreciated McCabe sticking up for him, and especially as a new guy who you know is just trying to find his way with the team, uh, didn't know a ton of Leafs before. Is just kind of getting acclimatized to new surroundings. This is going to be his first taste of the playoffs ever. Um, and I think just something like that, so much as the willingness to drop the gloves, even though he got dinged for like 17 penalty minutes on that power, on that play, uh, I think endeared him a lot to the teammates. Uh, I really like him. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm quickly becoming a fan. You know, nothing flashy. And you kind of wonder, like, could they have spent a little bit more to get Ekholm or, or Chikrin? But for the price they paid, the fact that he has term on the deal, um, I think he slots in really nice, and I think he's going to be a fixture in the top four come playoff time. Is Luke Shen a top fixture for you in the top six? No. I think he, I think he's in and out. And I think it depends how the, the temperature of the series uh, I wouldn't be surprised. You remember when uh, heading into the, the Tampa series last year, Nick, and Sheldon Keefe, was, I forget the exact quote, but he was talking about expecting violence, and he started Clifford and started Simmons. I think that the hype around this series, I think it's going to even be bigger this year, and uh, the intensity, because it's it's kind of like we're going through the motions here. For months, we've known that the who's going to battle who. So I would not be surprised to see Shen in the top six for that first game, 
just because of, of his experience and the fact that he's willing to lay the body and clear people out. But I think he's a guy who's on the fringe, in and out of the lineup, depending how the series is going. I don't think his spot in the top six is guaranteed. And even when they made the trade, they said one of the things they liked about him is that he's willing to play that role. He's not going to be a high-maintenance guy where you have to worry about his ego if you have to bench him for a while and then bring him in when there's an injury or you want a different look. So uh, to me, he's he's a six slash seven. And, and we see a little bit of him, but his minutes will be limited. Uh, if they're up by two goals, he could get more shifts. If they're down by a goal, he could get stapled to the bench because they, they want to generate offense. Luke, quick one for me here. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Tampa Bay stinking it up right now? I mean, is this, this we can't get, Leafs fans can't get their hopes too high, can they, over this? No. Um, I mean, if I, I feel like we'd be foolish to, to count their ability to, to turn it on when it matters most. I, I think this is this sort of lull of, you know, knowing who your first round opponent is, knowing that your, your playoff spot isn't in jeopardy. I think it's taken a toll on some Leafs and it, it's certainly on some lightning. Uh, I am curious about to see what happens if there's, if this, you know, if there's more, to come out of the benching of of Point Kucherov Stamkos, I don't feel like that was a one-off. That there must have been something behind the scenes leading up to that, because that is such a a bold card to play. And if anyone could get away with it, it's John Cooper. But uh, you know, they got Vasilevsky. Um, there's some concern over Hedman's health now. But you know that just much like Brian O'Reilly, I would expect everyone to be up and running in time for the playoffs this team's going to turn it on. And to be quite honest, I can't wait for that series to start. One more here, Luke, before I let you go. So last night, uh, the spear heard around the hockey world. Tony (laughs) D'Angelo spears, Corey Perry from Tampa Bay. And uh, I'm wondering now if we had to pick one Toronto Maple Leaf to pull a Tony D'Angelo now out of this grittier, nastier sandpaper Toronto Maple Leaf roster who would you pick well <laughs> I think that, I think that would be Michael Bunting but I think uh, <laughs> I, I think McCabe or, or Shen would have to step in and, and help him out nice <laughs> that's, that's definitely the scenario by nice. the way <laughs> all right man listen I want you to know something tonight when I go home I'm googling every article you've oh. written in the last three years and I'm reading them all <laughs> Kip will be back on our show in two years. Okay, and and in return, I'll play uh, next rewards on that. <laughs> You're a good man, Luke. All right. Thanks for doing this, pal. Thanks, Luke. Okay, Luke Fox, care. Sportsnet.ca. Do you think, just to touch up on his article, you, you think uh, Lee fans more than anyone else like hate it when guys do well when they leave? Like, does that, wow, you does remember that the you? early Campbell that, returns Sam, here were delightful. Sammy, do not just give in to the fact that no matter what, it wasn't going to work out here and you can still do great things other places. Or are you one of those guys that it just really bothers you? I think it depends what you feel about the player. Like if you were convinced that Sandine was the future, then you're always going to be like, see, but I never was, I was trading him in the off season. I've been trading him for a long time with Sandine. So I never, I'm not the right guy to ask because I never really believed in the upside, like a lot of people did. So I'm maybe not the right guy to ask, but I think it's just what you feel as a player. If you're one of your favorite players gets traded and you're projecting, mm-hmm. right? Like there's even people that are, 
you know, the Engvall letting him go and people think the bottom six looks worse since he left. Like, it's if you liked a guy that gets traded away, you're going to find stats and stuff to fit your narrative to fill it. So, yeah. anyways. so Yeah, just move on. You mentioned the spear last night. And both of you guys have played a ton of hockey in your life. If you're going to power rank the greasiest moves on the ice, where does that rank? Yeah, I would say just behind only maybe a slew foot and an eye gouge or something in a pile. It's bad, right? That's a high-end grease move. Yeah, it is. It is. But, not, <laughs> but you're like, but not that bad. Now, listen. Come on, butt and spears. Yeah. They happen on occasion. <laughs> I got to sit here and tell you I've never speared anybody before. <laughs> butt ends really dirty, too. You can hide that with your glove and just give a little cuff. Yeah. But make them eat the butt end. Yeah. That's a dirty one. Yeah, for I sure. really miss that stuff. I think if I was going to power rank, I think. I think the spear is overblown. I would agree. I'm, I'm not that upset about it. And people get really like. Really upset. Uh, a slew foot is 10 times more dangerous. Yeah. A Listen. knee is 10 times more Agreed. dangerous. That's greasier. And I'm watching it last night, and no one's ever, like, mentioned that maybe Corey Perry deserved it. <laughs> I don't think hey, you're allowed to, to blame in these maybe situations. Maybe he had it coming. Maybe he had it coming. I, don't, I didn't watch the game. The truth. I don't know the history there. But you know Corey Perry. <laughs> but there might be the small part of... Hey, someone's going to get you, Corey, eventually. Your s*** catches up to you. I almost tweeted it, the gift, uh, last night with the Larry David gift doing the old, you know, D'Angelo Spears Perry, and you're like, "Eh, well, you know, it's okay. It's Perry. Like, you know, everyone wants to spear Corey Perry at different times. And come on, you're playing for the Philadelphia Flyers. You're going nowhere. Yeah, what do you care if he gets to spend it for three games, four games? I guess just money at that point. Might be the best 75 grand you can spend (laughs) getting to spear Corey Perry. Although then you have to deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning who do not like when you hurt one of their guys. Which is another topic of conversation. And just their, their natural reaction to go squirrely when you go after one of their guys. It's like you're holding a bag of loose bread and they're seagulls. I, <laughs> I, I absolutely love yeah. watching them protect one another. Yeah, I agree. I it it and kills me. You don't have to like it, fighting. It is, you don't have to whatever. It's awesome to see you guys stick it, up for one another. So somewhat worrisome for the Toronto Maple Leafs to watch that natural reaction when you've been an organization that has. Like, not have that hard to avoid that type of reaction. Yeah, I don't know. They well that part, but they just haven't had it. They haven't like. They oh haven't, no, you've had opportunities to watch Austin Matthews get ragdolled by Ben Sherratt or yeah. Travis Konechny. Like, go try pulling that stuff on Tampa Bay. Oh, I know. I'm saying that with the Leafs organization, I don't think that they actively don't want it. I just think that the they players just don't. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's my not job. In their, yeah. Want and have are two different conversations. Right. And it's like, you know, they look at the resume and go, I don't see that in my player description. The other, the other clip that came into my feed yesterday because of that was the one earlier in the year 
but I forget who it was. Someone hit a goalie. Bumped, they bumped Vasilevsky. Yeah. Yes. And literally all five guys there's, all there's through the gloves in the air. <laughs> none on hands and none on the ice. They're all in the air. Now, to be fair <laughs> to the new look Toronto Maple Leafs, we just touched moments ago on McCabe's reaction mm-hmm. on the Tavares hit. And there is a real belief here that these new found guys yeah. will have a much better reaction to what we've been accustomed to prior to the trades. You know what would be the best thing to happen Punches. to this Maple Leafs team in the next five games? A brawl. A five guys down, get speared. drag out, yeah, brawl. like a full yard sale of gear on the ice, pile up. No one gets hurt. I don't think they still have that lineup. No one buddy. gets hurt, but it would be fascinating just to get that sort of camaraderie built where you're like, oh, so we're a new group. We're one here. A brawl would be spectacular. <laughs> and there's a team that they don't particularly like that is chasing down a playoff spot that is coming into Scotiabank Arena on Monday night. Yeah. Let's get a brawl going. Matthews, please. I want my oh. prediction to be tr- correct that I his first fight will be against Aline. I love this because it's a natural segue to icings. I looked it up while we were talking oh. to someone. I don't remember who. Um, most icings in the NHL out of 883 players to have played this year. Sorry. Close. Oh, yeah. Real close. 892 players have played this year in the NHL. Second. Giordano, he's second place, the second Holy most icing in the NHL. But I'm fascinated by Who's this. first? By the way, 48 icings for Giordano. Oh, my God. 48 That's icings. That's a lot of icings. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Oh, How my gosh. How many games have they played? But I'm curious. He's a baker. 60-some. Here's, here's what I'm fascinated by. If there's a type of player. So here's the top 10. I'm just going to read them off quickly. Most in the NHL is Rasmus Dahlin. That was my segue. Huh. Most in the NHL is the guy who, you know, second place for the Norris Trophy probably this year. Then it's Brent Burns, Chris Letang, Dougie Hamilton, Vince Dunn, Brady Shea, Neil Pionk, Alex Petrangelo, Hampus Lindholm. All good defensemen. Yeah. But like kind of offensively, puck movery, movery types. So failed Smart. stretch passes was what. That's that. kind of what I'm thinking. But guys looking for the bomb. Giordano seemed to be much more like, oh, my God, bombs. I need to take a knee. Yeah, I'll get out of here. Than trying to it's, spring it's, a guy for a breakaway. It's a lot more explainable it for, is. for Gio than it is some of the star defensemen that you mentioned. Yeah, like Gio, it's like veteran savvy, that little hold that doesn't get called, the icing to take a break. Like, so what you're telling me is Mark Giordano is an elite defenseman in the I, NHL. He's actually one of the ten best guys <laughs> in the league is my point. <laughs> How far is he away from... Uh, being the all-time career icing guy. I bet he is. I bet he is. He's been in the league forever. He ices it every day, every game. You can put that beside your shin pad. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, God, give him a Stanley Cup, because if your trophies are icings and shin pads, that's tough. Oh, my God. Listen, boy. he's a legend. I know no disrespect on my part. Do we have uh, John Tortorella on the spear? We do have the Tortorella on the spear. Would you like to hear him talk? Let's go to one more Kipper Clipper. Yeah, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen the clip what happened. Uh, guys in the room said it's it's pretty obvious what happened, um, <laughs> but that's the line you walk uh, as far as going over the edge. Um, I I want him uh, to have his personality, uh, to have that competitiveness. Uh, you know, like a couple of guys that I did sit, I wish a little bit of that would rub off on them. Uh, but again, I haven't seen it, but I think he may have crossed the line, judging from uh, what some of the other guys said. So, yeah, we, uh, you got to be careful and easy to say. 
uh, uh, that, that's, that's, that's part of who Tony is, and I, I think he's done a pretty good job this year in staying on that line. Peak torts is his guy spears a guy in the nuts and gets suspended, and he goes, I wish my other guys were like that. He has no idea what to say there, right? He's like, <laughs> I like it. I want to be like the adult in the room, but uh, absolutely like, loved it. What's wrong with our other guys that they would not be willing to do that? But yeah. you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And he's also like, you know, real easy to say you shouldn't spear a guy in the nuts, but you know, a lot harder not to do. It's like, wait, hold on. Have you seen if I want to explain season? it to you, I would. Yeah. This could be the highlight of the year. Torts loved it. Loved it. Yeah. It was a greasy one, too. Like, from behind the scrum, like, he came sneaking in and just caught him. Yeah, it was. I'm just uh, click, quickly watching Sidney Crosby score the OT winner last night uh, for the Penguins. Down 4 nothing to the Blue Jackets, and they came back to win last night. 76 points for Sid in 63 games. It's just... Tied with William Nylander, It just way. seems like... The last few years, and probably McDavid's the biggest at fault because he has been the face of the league now for a few years, but it it gets kind of forgotten, and they're not a top team, so you tend to pay less attention, but he's so frigging good still. The the guys in the league with 76 points are Crosby, Nylander, Jack Hughes, and Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, You know, like he's in an elite pack of humans there still at this point of his career. That's tied for 12th in the NHL in points right now. So yeah, he's yeah. a good, he's a two good nights away from the top 10 in the NHL still. Yeah. So breaking on Kipper and Bourne, uh, Crosby good. And I, I hate to pick on an old friend, but watch the highlights. Michael Hutchison net for, for Columbus last night. That, what a tank move that is. He get rid of Corpusalo. Bring me boy, the Hutch boy. Wow, that's like one step removed from a Tudor shooter. Yeah, it's, <laughs> if, you're, it's if, if you're the Islanders or the other teams in the playoff chase in the in the East, you're like, oh, come on. Like, uh, come on, Columbus. You've got to try a little. Yeah, so Sid has uh, 1,485 points in 1,171 games. So he's got to – I'm probably not going to get to 1,500 this year. But by the time his career's done, boys, those numbers are going to be looking pretty gaudy. Yeah. Like, it's just – it's rare that a guy comes in and with that much hype. And I know he was like the chosen one. Like it's, t- it's hard to live up to that. And he has just blown past the expectations for me. Like, yeah. it, I remember his whole career and I didn't remember him. Like, did you think he'd be this good when he first came in? You don't, you don't think he's going to be like this, like an all time legend. It's hard to live up to that hype, man. Sid? Sid. There's been so many guys. No. There's been so many he guys. Was, he, he was the next one. For sure. But Everybody knew he was going to be great. Bedard, same or bigger hype or comparable for you? Oh, God, that's a good question. Because Bedard seems to be the only person I can remember since McDavid to have this level of hype. I Yeah, that's a good question. I don't – I worry about Bedard not being – a future Hall of Famer than I ever did for Sid. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. Maybe maybe I feel like... What's Bedard? Five, he's, nine, He's five, not ten? as big or as strong as even Sid appeared yeah. early in his career. Yeah, I listen. But not saying Connor Bedard's not going to be the all-time point getter on earth. I have no idea about the kid. No idea. I'm just comparing the hype levels. And yeah, it feels... I don't know. 
Did just, Austin Matthews have a level of hype that's comparable to these guys? No, no he was for playing, one very good reason. He's playing in Switzerland. Played in Switzerland, the USHL, yeah. Yeah. and uh, like if he was playing, no, for no one month. had the opportunity. TSN or Sportsnet didn't have the opportunity to overhype him. Meanwhile, Bedard is selling out the Saddle Dome, and yeah, you know. thanks for the World Juniors. Yeah, I watched uh, his game last Friday night. Uh, really exciting Friday night. Did he score? Junior hockey. He scored four goals. Oh, man. yeah. But his last good? game he played, uh, which was March fifth, he had zeros and he was a dash five. So not a great night against the Saskatoon Blades. Not a great night for Connor Bedard. I'm sure. As we like to do fives. for random stuff at the end of our show, is oh. we just like pull random things. Looking at the leaderboard for uh, the Art Ross Trophy, and obviously McDavid is up thirty points on his teammate Drysital and blowing everyone out of the water. Kucherov is third in the NHL in scoring this year, like 91 points in 64 games. Dash four on Tampa Bay. They won last night. Tampa did? Yeah. Tell me his ice time last night. Oh, I love what we're doing here. He played 1833. Oh, did he? Show me a rift. Okay. He did. I thought it was, uh, I thought it, it, I don't know why I had the impression that he played a lot less. Nope, but he did. He played. He did. Okay. He had three points and he was minus one. So everything's fine and dandy again. Yep. Three points and minus one. Well, listen, look at the second guy in the league. The uh, Dreisaitl. He's got, what, he's got 96. He's dash whatever. Dash two. Yeah. On the Oilers, who are good. Yeah, it's just, listen. You're playing top competition. They get a lot of points in the power play. They are power play merchants, the Oilers. I cannot believe even in Wayne Gretzky's heyday of 200-plus points that Connors passed him for all-time points in a season on the power play. Is that right? Did you know that? No. Uh, you know what? I feel like... Sammy, pa- please tell me I'm correct. I'll look it up right now. Uh, so Connor has 58 power play points Yes, and I think year. Gretzky uh, had the record at 55 or 56. So power play percentage has gone up pretty consistently for 20 some years and this is the best run in history yeah they just didn't call penalties for half of his right i also feel like Uh, he had 61 power play points in 93 94 with the kings and he had 57 with the oilers in 81 82 so 57 with the oilers so mcdavid now is 58 so yeah Yeah. he will pass his power play but that's that's with yeah 200 point seasons you know what it reminds me of though how the three uh, things weren't optimized for points like they are now like the uh, three points in basketball. No one shot three pointers. Reggie Miller was one of the best shooters I can remember. Peja Stojakovic, Ray those, Allen. Ray Allen. Those guys don't have the number, the three point numbers of guys today who shoot threes all the time. Power plays to me are kind of similar, where things have been optimized, like how to generate on the power play. Guys stay out for a minute and a half. Was it more common when you played to have two clear units and do minute yes. minute? You know, yeah. now it's like seventy five percent of the power play goes to the top guys. The West has sucked since yeah. McDavid's. Take been a around. look at the Rangers right now. <laughs> Do you see what's going on with their power play? Shooting too in many uh, star oh. chefs in the kitchen here, and I think uh, the number one power play now for the Rangers has Trocheck and um, and uh, uh, La- La- Lapierre. Lafreniere. Lafreniere. Yeah. Sorry. No. No. Get them all mixed up. Uh, Lafreniere. Really? And so no Kane, no? No. Uh, it's 
Here, I got it on Daily Faceoff. Lafreniere, Trocek, Panarin, Kane, Fox. Yes. So no Take Chris Kreider. Take a look at the second one. Second power play, Kreider. Kreider, Zibanejad, Hedl, Tarasenko, Truba. <laughs> second power play. Yeah. God, they got a lot of good players, boys. I love them. Uh, this is a this should inspire how about uh like gerard gallant now trying to run keep everybody units. happy well that I, I know that was one of your things about bringing in top end guys here is who comes off the power play i guess you just have to go to two power plays and hope one of them's humming problem is you don't get enough power plays to decide who's humming you know you get one good shift or one bad shift or you know your coach goes oh we're going to the other unit I don't know if that's right. I, this should be inspiring to Sheldon Keefe. That you're allowed to have a second power play unit? Yeah. And I know now it's hard because you got O'Reilly out and whatever you say about Tavares. Or, but, like, you can have two units to me. And this is, I like. Yeah. Truba can shoot the puck. I mean. Yeah. He's not. I would never consider him a power play specialist, but. He can bomb it at He's least. got a bomb. Yeah. Fox is cheeky. Yeah. That's what a great. Those, they have. Yeah. They're, they're stacked. Eastern Conference, boys. Is uh, someone mentioned Fox sneaking in for another Norris? Oh yeah, the uh, right now on it's, a roll. I've got Morrissey, Norrissey, uh, Dougie Hamilton's got over sixty points. Rasmus Dahlin is third with sixty three points. I don't like Dahlin Norris Trophy winners to non playoff teams. Like Eric Carlson could. Score 100 points this year, right? Yeah, he's going to win it in a landslide is my guess. See, I, I, I don't agree with that. I agree, Kipper. I, I mean, I, I think... What control does he have over his bad team? Aside no, from doesn't. playing the best he can he and being good. But playing 25 minutes a game. Like, he's, dash, he's been amazing in them. He's dash if, eight. His team stinks. If his yeah. team was in the playoffs race all season long, would he still take chances? Would he still jump up on the play? Would he still... It changes yeah. kind of the scope of... Of your ability to, I think, go score points. My view of how these trophies are meant to be handed out is who's been the best in the league at that position. And so if you take into account your point about maybe he'd play differently if they were different, that's a good point. I'll hear that for sure, that like they're bad enough that he can do whatever he wants and yeah. no one really cares. I'm going to get my three and apples he's and head to always the beach. been at yeah. his best when he gets to do whatever the hell he wants on yeah. the ice. But... You know, for that by that token, like I don't feel like a team trying to win. He's, you're on a bad team and playing great. Like Darlene to me, I would never penalize him because the Buffalo Sabers aren't well built around him, or the goaltending's been suspect. Well, and they're in the hunt, are yeah. they not? Yeah, yeah, they're all for sure there. Quinn Hughes has sixty points, huh? He's yeah. another sleeper guy, but non-playoff yeah. team. Right. Fastest defenseman in the history of the NHL to two hundred assists. Quinn Hughes, yeah, yeah, that's baffling. And he beat, can't he be beat Brian Leach, Leach by, by a, a point? Game. By a game. By a game. Yeah. How do the Canucks have so many good players and be so bad? Because they're half pregnant. Yeah. They're trying to suck and trying to win at the same time yeah. somehow. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what the hell they're doing. I would say the sneakiest season by a defenseman this season is Brandon Montour's 50 points in Florida this year. He's playing a Play, ton of I was minutes. Say he probably just plays a whole game. I'm just seeing... Oh, my God, yes. He does play the whole game. Yeah. And he's all 20, 24, 25 minutes a night. Yeah, I, I kind of agree, Kipper, that he is going to win it, but, like, ah, Carlson. He's going to have 100 points. You can't not give it to him. He's going to win. But they should have two categories. 
They should have the best offensive defenseman, the best defensive defenseman. Another trophy. Like yeah, a guy... Like a guy that... What would the, who but by they, the way, that is also how I vote for the Hart Trophy, and I've made this case a million times. I've written about it. We're trying to figure out who had the best year. You know, okay. and who who is the best player this season? All other contexts, whatever. You know, like McDavid's it by... If they miss the playoffs, whatever. He's the best player in the league. Give it to him. Yeah, I guess. But I... Oh, go ahead, Kevin. No, go ahead. I was just going to say the highest... It's the easiest way to do it is the highest scoring defenseman gets a trophy, and then the Nor- and then there's the Norris. Yeah. Like the Art like the Art Ross highest scorer, right? Yeah, the total Art points. Ross yep. for defenseman. Call it the the Ray Bork or the, the Paul Coffey. Ross cuz no one cares. Or the fall, or the Paul Coffey award yeah. or whatever. And then Let's just get rid of trophies. What? It, it, Participation it, it, trophies? One. <laughs> just one. The, the Stanley Cup. cup. Oh, that's <laughs> it. Uh, eat scrap. There's only one cup. There's only one that matters. <laughs> 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 oh, the people voting don't know what they're doing anyways. <laughs> 90% of the time that's true. All right, how many games on tap? Just three tonight. Uh, yeah, not many good. God, the Leafs got to play more games. What's going on? Next week, boys, we're playing all the hockey. All right. Okay, our thanks to Mike Fuda and Luke Fox, who I got a lot of homework tonight. I got a lot of Luke <laughs> Fox too, homework yes. tonight. All right, thanks for joining us for the last two hours, putting up with us, and we get to do it again tomorrow on The Real Kipper and Bourne Show.